So as a church, uh, we've been going on a journey. And, um, you know, I think that for what we've gone through and, um, and even maybe some of this past year, we, we decided we were going to do the Book of Joshua, as you all know, because um, really Pastor Soon felt led that God was going to do a new thing and that he was going to lead us into the promised land. And, and in my mind, I really felt like that was a promise, maybe even much more of like personally, but figuratively in some ways, you know. Um, but lo and behold, God led us to buy our own building. And um, I'm going to walk us through a little bit of our church history because for some of us who are here um, and have been with us through the history of what I'm going to just talk about, um, you, it might be nice to just have a little bit of refresher, right? For some of us, um, you joined at some point along the way, so you heard, you experienced some of it and heard some of the stories, but you may not, you know, it might be nice for you to hear the whole story. Some of these are, are new um, and really, you know, haven't heard very much of this at all. So I think because we are all one church and we're here now, whether you are here however long you've been, we're all one part of one family, and the story is ours. The story is yours. The story is mine. So what we are going to enter in together is also a story of, um, of joy and recognizing the great things that God has done for us. So we need to go back in order to recognize what is it that God has done, all right? So I'm going to tell us... Um, Go back a little bit. Five years ago, we were in um, a building that is about two blocks down. So if you know where Ralph's is on the Cont, it's like another block down from Ralph. Ralph's on the corner of Hillgard and the Cont. And it was a building called the University Religious Conference. The building was owned by the University Religious Conference. And uh, we pretty much um, were in the whole second floor. We had our offices there um, and a number of other rooms and had, had um, kind of free usage of that whole second floor. And then the first floor had an auditorium and a number of other meeting rooms that we shared with other groups. Um, and the rent was really cheap because that was part of the mission of the URC was to provide uh, cheap rentals for the member organizations. Um, well, the building came up for sale, for sale in 2016. The board decided to sell it, and we put in a bid, and we did not get the bid. And there was a lot of drama around that situation for those of you who remember. And it was a really difficult moment for us as a church. But we realized, okay, well, we need to move. And so just to, 20, um, 2016, that April, April 1st weekend, was actually our 25th anniversary as a church. And in a way, it was our last big hurrah in the URC as a way to, um, we, we had a whole bunch of alumni come back. Because the church, as a university church, as you know, it's a constantly um, sending out type of church. People graduate, we cycle in, people, we cycle people out. It's a, it's a very, um, it's a church that we've sent a lot of people out over the years. So alumni came back, it was a really great 25th anniversary. But at the same time, it was kind of bittersweet because we all knew that would be our last meeting, our last big event in a way and um, thing that we had at the URC. So um, cycle forward, we moved that um, fall into our offices into the upstairs space here right above Wells Fargo Bank. So in this building up here, we moved that, that um, fall. And then we had our last Sunday service on January 1st, 2017 at the URC. And this is a picture of our last Sunday service, actually, um, that we had. And 
Well, that, that was pretty memorable. Some of you might see yourselves there, and some of you will see our church has changed a lot because a lot of these people have actually, they live in many different places around the states and across the world. So after that Sunday, we um, started meeting at UCLA on campus for our Sunday worship, um, at, for our morning worship service, and then we met for our afternoon service at 4 p.m. at Westwood Presbyterian Church, which is across the street on, on Wilshire Boulevard. So we had two services. Um, we had um, uh, services on different spaces on campus. So we rented out auditoriums, and it was a great location for students, actually, because um, it was you know right where students would have classes anyway. So it was really easy to find us. Um, but it was also a lot of work for setting up, because so we had a whole trailer system. We had to buy a trailer. We set up every Sunday in the auditorium. And UCLA, the way they, they do it, because we are, or, we are renting as a student org, um, anytime there was an event or whatever it is, they're like, you can't use it this Sunday. So that particular year, 2017, we met, I think, in 12 different places throughout the year on Sunday. And for a church, that is actually really hard for the type of setup, the kind of ways you need to announce things so people can find you, parking. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that have to be ready to go. And some of you are with us with that journey and know what that meant, right? But we did have fun. Um, so if you see, there's a, there's a picture of fellowship after service, and there, you know, we were cleaning up. We, had, we enjoyed, and we saw God was faithful through that time. And so, but we knew, hey, this is actually not the best place for us in church. Actually, it was really difficult. So we said, we need to find something a little more stable. We were able to get Norris Derry Elementary School. Um, it's an LA, uh, LAUSD school. So over in that Sawtell area, it's off of Sawtell, um, we were able to secure Norris Derry. And it was really great. 2018 is when we started our worship services at Norris Derry. Um, and that really provided kind of a nicer st stage of stability for us as a church. Um, and yet we still had to do the whole trailer, if you want to... The trailer thing was still going on at Norris Derry, um, and a lot of hands and um, time went into, you know, getting it set up, getting it broken down. But we spent about almost two years there. Um, and yet we also knew we needed to find something that was going to allow us more long-term stability for us as a church. So Pastor Soon and Esther, they thought what do we have as a church as our, um, you know, really our assets? So they decided the manse that they lived in, which was owned by the presbytery, but in trust with the presbytery, but owned by the church, is kind of this thing with our presbytery. All properties are actually held in trust with the presbytery. So we have, they decided we're going to sell our manse and use the proceeds of the manse, which is the pastor's housing, in order to secure stable uh, a location for us. So either a long-term, like 10-year lease at a location, or if you can buy a building, that's what we're going to use the money for. That was almost a two-year process of working through a lot of that paperwork and um, kind of red tape to get the approval of the presbytery to say, we'll let you do this. Um, so it finally came up for vote, and the presbytery said yes on February 2020. And um, the church... Um, so we were able to move forward with selling the presbytery. And then in March of 2020, COVID, COVID was already happening a couple months before that. But COVID hit, you know, we all know, hit us strong. And in March, um, I think it was March 12th on a Friday, we got 
the message from LAUSD that you can't meet at Norristory this Sunday. And so that weekend, the staff was like, we have to go online. We got the announcements on. And we started going online. Um, I want to show you a picture of our last Sunday meeting at the Mance, which was um, we actually had some people come in for that Sunday online worship. And then we all went over to the Mance. And that was our last gathering over at the Mance. Um, and there were a lot of memories. Raise your hand if you've ever been at the Mance. I just want to see a raise of hands of people who had been at the Mance. Yeah, okay, so at least about half, a little more, have been to the Mance. So many, many memories were made at that Mance over the years. So, you know, it was also very bittersweet to sell that Mance. Um, and that was the last actual gathering, I think, as a church there. So we move into online worship and have a picture of that. For over a year, it was really like a staff of, you know, five, five people, staff people, but plus volunteers who came in throughout the year and a half, we'll see, or something of that, um, to run our online worship services. And, um, you know, it was a year, I have to say, where um, it took, again, a lot of manpower among a smaller group of people who were really um, dedicated. Um, but it actually, in some ways for us as a church, gave the church a sabbatical that I think was really needed because as for our, all churches were experiencing the same thing. We know that. But I know for us as a church, all of our volunteers, almost everybody in the church every Sunday have put in so much time and effort to set up, break down, that I felt like, God, thank you. There was a kind of a part of me, and I think all of us kind of knew, our church members really needed a, about like a, that year and a half sabbatical in a sense. So for many of our church members, that's what it was needed. And God was gracious during that time. So um, we began 2021. Um, the manse was sold actually right at the end of 2020 um, and 2021. So we have funds, right? Let's go ahead and start looking for a church building. And we had a church committee comprised of Pastor Soon and Ben Park, our deacon. Um, and honestly, in the back of my head, and we were praying, and, and Pastor Soon you know, began this year, we're going to pray for a location, right? But again, we've been on this journey for a while now. And I thought in my head, yes, we're going to pray for it. But, you know, we have to be prepared to keep doing what we got to do, you know, whatever it is. And God is faithful. He will continue to provide for us, whatever it is. Lo and behold, on May 20th, we got a call saying that 1333 was available to look at. And um, so several of us, including Ben, we went out to look at the building the next day. And then we um, made a prayerfully with the session, made a decision. We think we should go ahead and put in an offer. The church came together on May 30th, that Sunday, for a congregational meeting and voted to say, yes, go, let's go ahead and put in an offer for this building. And thus began that journey. And I will tell you as a church, and now I know this part of journey, almost all of you have walked with us in that part of the journey. We didn't know what was going to happen. We put in the bid, but all along the way, there were a lot of hurdles. We still had to get again, the approval of the presbytery, which with um, a lot of behind the scenes drama, honestly, almost didn't happen. Um, we had to get a loan that was very difficult to get. And um, we were able to get that loan. It was also one of those, would this happen kind of moment. Um, the appraisal, there was a lot of these hurdles that all along the way. And as a church, we came together to pray, to ask God. And I don't know about you, but there was a part of me that just didn't want to hope maybe too much because I thought, we don't know until we have the ending, the signing of the paperwork, that this is a done deal, right? 
And then lo and behold, God answered every one of those prayers. Those hurdles were able to keep going through the next one, the next one, the next one, and the next one until the very end. And it was literally even like, you know, until we signed that paperwork. For me, that was the moment like, this is done, right? This is done. And that happened about a week and a couple days ago, right? So this is all new. This is all fresh and new for us at church. When that moment happened, I felt like I was dreaming, you know? And this is why this verse really speaks to me and to us as a church. And I say not just me because that, this verse came to mind for me, but this verse came to Pastor Soon to mind, which is why he, when we were doing sermon prep and who was preaching what, he said, I would like for this to be the topic of the sermon, today's sermon. Um, Jin, he sent an email out to all the parents saying, this is a Bible verse that God spoke to her. We were like people who dreamed when God restored the fortunes of Zion. And it says, the Lord has done great things for us. Amen. The Lord has done great things for us. I want us to walk through a little bit of that, of how this psalm guides us in celebration and remembering that the Lord has done great things for us, not only for us as a church, what does it look like personally to celebrate the Lord has done great things for us? And to be honest, I think sometimes it's hard to celebrate because as I heard the news and I was so happy to receive that, immediately my mind went into a lot of other things. Now we have to prepare X, Y, Z, and there's so much to do, and then I'm getting stressed out, right? And then the reality is there's so much going on in this world too. And if you, as soon as I read the news and I do the whole doom scrolling thing, at, at the end of the day, before I sleep, I realize I have to stop doing that because I get so depressed right before I go to sleep about everything I'm reading, about what's going on in this world. As, you re as we're reading about the flooding in the East Coast right now, about seeing on, on um, my friends' feeds things that are happening, it's, we know that there's a lot of things happening. So there's a part of me that says, how can I celebrate when there's all these things that are really sad or, um, you know, there's other things that can really weigh us down. So celebration, to be honest, is actually kind of hard, I think, for us to own and to do and to practice. But we have to learn to practice celebration. And this passage will show us, I think, a bit of how to do that. So in verse 1, it says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, and I want us to kind of um, go back to a little bit of the context of this psalm. The one who wrote this psalm is remembering a time. And um, another way that it's translated is when the Lord returned the captives of Zion. And so the writer is remembering a time. And um, the time that they, the, you know, write, uh, the, the people who have studied this passage say that he, the writer is remembering when God restored um, the Israelites after the Babylonian captivity. So the Israelite, Israel and Jerusalem was taken over by Babylon. And um, they completely destroyed the city, took down the walls, destroyed the temple, took the people of, of Israel captive, and only let, let a few of the poor in the land to remain. Um, and so now this is a moment, and years later, where the writer is remembering a time when God restored the people of Israel back to Jerusalem. Zion is a symbolic 
uh, word for Jerusalem, Zion, Mount Zion is a uh, symbolic hill in Jerusalem. So he's, it's just recalling that with the moment God restored us is so exciting for the people of Israel. We were destitute. We were barren. Our nation was broken. Our temple was broken. Our walls were broken down. And now it's remembering, but God restored us. He allowed the captives to come back. He allowed the cap door to have mercy on us and send people and send even supplies to restore our city again. And so he says, as you remember that, we were like those who dreamed. Could this be true? This sounds, this is, this is, you know, when you feel like you're dreaming, it feels like something was either too good to be true. Like, it was so bad now, and this really good thing has happened. And it feels just hard to believe. Or sometimes your, your fortunes can change so quickly, and you think, is this a dream? Can this be true? So this is the moment they're remembering that. And this is a moment for us as a church, for us to 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 remember, God, there were so many things that were difficult for us on this journey. And now you gave us something that we didn't even imagine we would have this year. And that's why it feels like it's something that is a dream. But we can all recall moments, God, that there is a moment where when God answered a prayer of yours, when you experienced something that was really wonderful, and you think, God, this is so good. This is so good, right? He says, our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues were with shouts of joy, with songs of joy. We're really just talking about how there's an exuberant response when you're really happy. And I want to see there's an unscripted response when we're happy. And then there's, there's also a thoughtful response to joy, too. There's both an unscripted when you know, you win a game and, or you see people who win a medal in the, in the Olympics, the joy that comes out from there, no one can tell you what to do. No one's going to, they didn't think to themselves, I'm going to jump up. I'm going to scream. You know, I'm going to hug my teammate. Like no one told people to do that, right? You just do when you're joyful. So there's the unscripted exuberance of joy, shouting, singing songs, you know, clapping, you know, the things that you do when you're joyful. And then there's also a thoughtful response of joy that comes. And I want to say that when, as we recognize and we see and we acknowledge what God has done, God brings joy into our hearts. And I, I actually want to say that, that practice of joy is something that is not something that we should always expect will come naturally, but we also need to practice joy. And um, that's something Pastor Dan spoke about, I think, last week. When we think about everyday faithfulness, it's about recalling how God has been faithful to us in a, in a, in a, in a very practiced way. Like, he gave the very practical thing to do, which is set your alarm every four hours during the day. And when it goes off, to just take a moment and remember, God, this is how you answer my prayer. Or how you, re you felt God's presence with you at that moment. Just take a quick moment to do that, right? There's a, a practice you can do, right? For me, one of the things I do as often as I can is as soon as I wake up, I try to sing a hymn. And this past week, I have to say that was actually really helpful because the, the hymn I sang one of the mornings was, Great is Thy Faithfulness. 
And as I was feeling my normal waking morning hours, I'm not a morning person. I usually feel pretty like blah, right? And worrying about all the things I need to do. As I was singing that hymn and I got to the third stanza, there's a part of it that says, blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. I never thought about those words of that song before until that moment. And I thought, you know what? The song is telling me a truth that right now I have all blessings from God. And then there's even 10,000 more that I don't even recognize that's waiting for me. And I thought that truth so filled my heart with joy at that moment. Uh, and I can, I, it's just so simple. And so joy is not only an instant kind of, um, you know, unscripted thing, but joy is something we practice. And we choose to do those things that help us recall the great things that God has done for us. So this passage is saying, uh, it's talking about that. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy as we remember and we respond and we, we move to it, you know. There's a testimony of joy, and I want to, we can't move on without pointing out. It says, then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. When we celebrate and, and we are good at celebrating and calling out what God has done, the nations, and the nations here is referring to non-Israelite nations, so people who do not know God, right? Those nations are going to recognize and see, I see what is happening in your life, and I see that God, the Lord, has done great things for them. It's a testimony. It's a testimony when God has done great things, and then we're able to celebrate and say, listen, God, listen to what God has done. Right? And when we call it out and we say it, it's a testimony to the world, a world that you, we might not realize it, but is a, is a watching world, a world that notices when things happen that they say, who could have done that? Was that your own doing? You say, that was not me. It was God. There are people who you have long-term friendships with, coworkers, neighbors, right? People that you're just open about your life. When you see, when they see the journey that you have been on, and then they also see those times where God has something happened really amazing in your life, and you bring them in to your moment and your celebration, they can also celebrate and recognize the Lord has done great things for them, for you. God is calling us to be a witness about our celebration, to be people who celebrate with joy and bring that honor to him and that we point to him through our celebrations. So the Lord has done great things to us, for us. We are celebrating. And now as we go to the second pass of this second part of this passage, we have a shift. We have a bit of a shift and I don't know if you caught it, but it so all of a sudden sounds pretty different because now it goes into restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. The good times are over. The good times are now over. And this, in this one psalm, the writer went from celebrate. The Lord had returned. He returned the captives of Zion. He's restored our fortunes, right? And now it's all of a sudden a call and a cry out to God. And, so, and he says, restore our fortunes. It's now a distant memory of so the current situation, actually, when this person wrote it, is that they are actually in the midst of a battle, a struggle. They are in a dry and weary land, 
emotionally, spiritually. And they're saying, God, we are weeping. This is really tough. So I'm going to ask you to do this. Just do this exercise. Close your eyes and then repeat these two words over and over. Blessing, battle. Blessing, battle. Just say it. You can whisper it. Just say it over and over and over until I tell you to stop. Close your eyes and say, blessing, battle. Blessing, battle. Blessing, battle. Blessing, battle. Just keep going. Keep going. Say it out loud because you want, I want to hear, you should hear your own voice saying it. Blessing, battle. 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 Okay, I mean, you can stop now. You might have felt like that was a little long, but I actually um, could have made you do it longer. I'm going to recount you a story. There's a, a, a man named Nicky Gumbel. He actually wrote um, an online devotional called Bible in a Year. You can look it up online. He tells a story that 30 years ago, he heard a speaker who repeated those words, blessing and battle, over and over and over as a speaker up front. He did it so long. He went on and on and on that he really was like, when is this guy going to stop, right? And, it was, um, and he said that that was 30 years ago. But that really, that point of him repeating those two words made a, a, such a strong impression on him um, that he remembers today. The point of that, the point of that, and this is what he says. He says, when we are in the battle, it is hard to believe that it'll ever come to an end. When we are in a period of blessing, we sometimes expect it will go on forever. But life is not like that. There are battles and blessings. Is that true or what? That is true. So true, right? Blessing and battles always are part of our lives. They come together. Blessing and battle, blessing and battle. Those five years of the URC, I mean, since we left the URC building, for us as a church, it was a tough journey of what felt like wandering in the desert, like the Israelites wandered in the desert, right? Um, but yet, you know, there are blessings along that journey. And I would say that God taught us faithfulness, like, he, we could never have learned the way that he carried us through, right? During, the, I recalled as I was just going through my photos, just trying to find the photos I wanted to show today, I was looking through and I realized during those years personally, it was a time that I started dating and then I got married and I have had a baby. Like those are incredible blessings in my life that in juxtaposition to a lot of battles that were happening at the same time, right? Blessing and battles come together, and that's what is also so important to recognize, that even as we celebrate our joys, and we, sh we should do that every day, you know, the Bible tells us to rejoice always, always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you wondered what God's will is, that's God's will. Rejoice always, always, right? So that even in the midst of our battles, we're called to rejoice and celebrate and own the victories, own the celebrations every day. But at the same time, we're facing battles every day. That's the reality. And this psalm continues to guide us on how to face our battles. It says, well, he's calling out to God. He says, restore our fortunes like the streams in the Negev. The Negev was the southern part of Israel. And 
streams would flow only certain times of the year when it was rainy season. So most of the year, the wadi, those, the, the parts of the desert were completely dry, parched. It looked like nothing would ever flow. No water would flow. Nothing would grow there. It was like, it was desert. But those times of the year in the fall, the rain would come. And all of a sudden, it would turn that desert ground into a, a, a spring. Would, you'd have the spring running through and life would flow. But then it would become just really a desert again, right? So what you see is that when the hard times come, it's seasonal. The, it's seasonal. The hard times don't last forever. If you feel like you're in a season that's a battle and you're saying, when will this ever end? Because sometimes it feels like it will never end. It will end, and we can call out to God and say, Lord, restore us, because I know you will refresh me like those streams in the Negev will come back. So if you are in a dry season, if you are in a battle, call out to God, because he's going to be faithful to restore you. It's a season. It's not forever. And it goes on to say this promise for us. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. And that theme gets repeated. If you go out weeping and you're crying because it's so hard, but you're carrying the seed to sow and you're going forth, there's a promise that you will return carrying sheaves with you. You will, you will produce whatever your seed you're carrying, whatever felt like nothing was happening and it felt like a dry and weary land. If you keep going and you keep going in faith and you keep staying on the course that God has called you to and not give up, you will rejoice. There will be the time of harvest. And this is a promise that's so incredible for us as, as we know that we are people who are, are going to face our battles. Today, we are facing battles for people in our lives. Today, we're praying for people who are sick. Today, we're praying for people who don't know Christ yet. We're praying for marriages of friends to be restored. There are battles that we're fighting and we have to trust and hope that as we're praying those seeds of faith, God will answer. We might be crying and weeping and weeping may be the most appropriate reaction at that point. What else can we do when we see the brokenness of people and our world, and sometimes it's just so hard, you know? Weeping is okay. We need to weep with each other. We need to weep for each other sometimes. We need to weep together as a church. But we need to keep moving forward. This passage says, but you need to keep going forth while you're weeping, keep moving. That's how we fight our battles. We keep moving forward. So in this passage, we have both our blessings and the celebration. We have our battles where we need to keep moving while we weep and we keep fighting. But we have the promise of God, the great promise of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, I want us to read this verse together. Um, so let's, let's read 15, 58. Therefore, my brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Everyone say, it's not in vain. It's not in vain. It's not in vain. Amen.